Blog Talk Radio. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Y'all know what time it is. It's time for In Much Less Detail, the podcast. We're with you live on a Wednesday night, November the 28th, 2018. I'm Dre, he's Jay. Yeah, it's still November. Thanksgiving was last week, but it's still hanging around because Thanksgiving was so early. So we're not quite to December yet. We're working on it, getting there. By the time we play week 13, uh, coming up on Sunday, the rest of week 13, uh, it'll finally be December at that point, but we're not quite there yet. So week 12 in the NFL happened this past weekend. We're here to recap that uh, coming off of Thanksgiving, those games uh, with teams that may have gone home for a little Thanksgiving and then got back on a plane and tried to play some football. Some teams can handle their business doing that. Some teams not so much. I'm looking at you, Jacksonville. Oh, boy. Uh, Jay, I don't know where we're going to start, but uh, another active uh, week in the NFL, a lot of activity, and some teams sort of playing contenders and some playing pretenders. Yeah, and an interesting week to break down because, as as we had discussed on the last show, and I know our, our crack research staff did not uh, dig into the numbers, but uh, no teams with a winning record played football in week 12 against another team with a winning record. And it, it ended up basically being a week of football that, that pretty much looked exactly like that. You had a lot of, a lot of 500 matchups, uh, a lot of good team, bad team matchups, or a couple, you know, teams that were five and five trying to battle it out. And you, you kind of, you know, it was a mixed bag. I think it was a week that we didn't disagree on a whole lot of games. Um, I think we saw things a lot, a lot the same. Uh, you got the one you edged me out on Monday night uh, with the with the Texans, uh, who won a game that was probably closer than the score indicated, and just Tennessee just had a few bad things go their way. Um, not necessarily officiating wise, but the 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 sequence that they had in the Monday night game where they get stopped at the goal line and then give up a 97-yard touchdown run on the next play. That That's not a good look for, for Tennessee, and that's basically a 14-point swing in that game. And you're, you're not going to bounce back from that too often. Uh, I, I guess you kind of highlighted the best place to start. We, we might as well stick the fork in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I, I, I said they were going to go up to Buffalo and lose. Uh, they did. I, I You know, the the – they just completely rage quit on on themselves, and uh, they're they're done. I mean, they went they've gone from Super Bowl contenders, um, and not from a health standpoint, completely out of the mix. This isn't like an yeah, <laughs> this isn't an Atlanta situation where the whole team pretty much died. I mean, this is just a good team playing terrible football. So yeah, I you can give them the ta- wonder. You can give them the. You can give them taps and Brady Quinn. It's over. 
I wonder how good they really are, though. That's the thing. They they quit so hard on the season that maybe last year was a complete fluke. Maybe they were not nearly that good the whole time, and, and we both dove all the way in and believed in them and picked them to win the AFC this year, and boy, did we both look terrible on that one. Uh, man, they look so bad this year. So, so bad. And yeah, that, that, that was the big one. That was the big question to me uh, going into last weekend was would they have some pride after such a heartbreaking loss the week before where they had Pittsburgh dead to rights and found a way to lose that game? Would they go up to Buffalo, handle their business against the project, or would they sort of turtle and give in and, and, and not give a damn and let the Bills have their way with them, which is exactly what happened. So yeah, play the taps for Jacksonville. They are completely dead. Now I'm done. Play the Brady Quinn form. That's actually for for Blake Bortles. You can the, the yeah. now I'm done is actually for when you get benched for Cody Kessler. Uh, isn't your career pretty much over? Like there, there's no coming back from that, is it? Well, I believe the move here for Jacksonville at three and eight now would the the prudent move would be to start Cody Kessler, completely torpedo your season. And ah. draft Blake Bortles replacement in May mm. or in April, cool. uh, whenever the draft is now. So, yeah, I, I, I you know they, they, yeah, I mean, why, you might as well. I mean, you lost to Buffalo, you lost to Josh Allen <laughs> and the Buffalo Bills, and looked like you didn't give a rat's ass if you lost no. or won. I mean, they no, looked they, like some of those touchdowns Buffalo had looked like Jacksonville didn't even care. No, and, I, and that's I, I think what that is is the defense giving up on the offense. There have been reports of you know fights in the locker room. I, I, I can understand the frustration. How much more can that Jacksonville defense do to keep to keep teams in games and to give you know give them a chance to win? And that offense just can't produce anything. I mean, they had they had the Patriots all but beat in the AFC Championship game. And watching that Jacksonville offense in the fourth quarter of that game, it was it was painful. It was hard to watch what that offense did. They they were afraid. They were afraid to win. They were afraid to play. They were afraid to compete. They were afraid to win. Very few sequences that uh, in history of of football to me that rival what happened in that Jacksonville Buffalo game uh, surrounding the. Leonard Fournette, uh, Shaq Lawson fight, uh, which they're swinging at each other while they have helmets on, which is always just the the ultimate Mensa move. Just the smartest people in the world swing with bare knuckles at guys who are wearing football helmets. But anyway, uh, so first and goal after that sequence, after that fight uh, for Jacksonville at the one-yard line. Get stuffed, get a penalty. I think it was a false start, move back get a holding penalty, move back again, get sacked. Bortles gets, uh, uh, I think it was a second and third down. I think Bortles got sacked twice uh, and missed the field goal. First and goal at the one and move back far enough to miss your field goal attempt. If that doesn't sum up the season right there in a nutshell, I don't know what does. There are very few franchises that would pull off a move like that. Murga would do something like that right now. But the Jaguars, I did not think that they were down the the rabbit hole that far to do something like that. So just based on that sequence alone is 
good enough reason to bench Blake Bortles because no real professional quarterback allows his team to go that far backwards after first and goal at the one. Uh, but, man, that's just terrible. That, that, that whole franchise has got to be looking at each other like, I, I thought we were much better than this. I, I thought they had enough pride to come out against Buffalo and show that they were better than that, and obviously they did not. Yeah, I mean, when the when the Bills won that game, they should have sent off the Jaguars to a little London calling. <laughs> that's, that's maybe where they uh, deserve to be, more so than, than Jacksonville, more so than anywhere else. I, I agree with that. <laughs> little who there. That's, yeah. Speaking of England, yeah. Burger. Yeah, speaking, speaking of Berga, Murga gave me a scare. I mean, Murga made me worried. Uh, for for a little bit of that game, and 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 then, you know, he made the Raiders great again, and they got they got blown out uh, by Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's two and zero now. Yeah, um, please. But there's a couple of uh, victories last week that got the 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 tongues wagging in the media that I want to put the brakes on there. Slow your yeah. roll, slowly your love for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, because look at who, who he did those two victories mm-hmm. against and look at the, the statuses of those defenses and where they rank and then get back to me when he does that to a real defense. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. He still hasn't played still... a pro D. <laughs> well, he's then he's not going to on Sunday either. Right. And he may be very good. But we can't tell yeah. because he hasn't played a professional defense yet. That, that's, yeah, all I'm, I'm, be, that's all I'm saying be, about Lamar Jackson. It's going to be a while before they try to anoint him the next, uh, like Deshaun Watson, you know, because I haven't seen I haven't seen the arm yet. I haven't seen that playmaking ability where they're trying to say that he's going to be the, you know, the mid round pick who makes the big or late round pick who makes the big splash in this case. Um, in the program, you could see it right away with Deshaun Watson because he was doing it against the Seahawks and the Patriots, and, you know. Right. Lamar Jackson is doing it against a bunch of also Rams. Yeah, some of the worst defenses you can scrounge up when you talk about uh, was it Cincinnati last week? Yeah. And uh, and then the the Murga this week. I mean, it, it, there's come on, those are not professional defenses. Uh, yeah. No, the guy that's uh, been giving him advice in the media this past week. I guess is who he's being compared to now. You're your guy, your boy. Whoa. The former Dirty Bird. One of the greatest Dirty Birds. Oh. Good old number seven. Don't tell me, don't tell me Michael Vick. Yeah, he's, he's giving Lamar advice. I, he, he says first of all, I don't see it. Michael Vick had one of the strongest throwing arms right. I've ever seen. And he was a little guy. Yeah. And he could, I mean, he could throw. He, he, he threw some bullets. I mean, he, he could throw it deep. Uh, he actually was one of those guys who put a little too much mustard on his throws, especially his short throws. I haven't seen the arm talent yet from Lamar Jackson, mostly because Baltimore is kind of they're kind of hiding him right now. Right. Yeah, they they know what they got, and it's not something that they fully trust at the moment. So it's really hard to tell what uh, no. what's exactly going to happen there. But but yeah, I don't know uh, if Vic got asked on an interview about Lamar Jackson specifically, or if he just decided to open his mouth and give some free advice. But yeah, Vic was basically saying to Lamar, try not to run so much because it's not going to go well uh, if you keep doing that. And he's not wrong. (laughs) 
No, I mean, there's not wrong about that. The history is not kind to the run first quarterback. Mm -hmm. You know, you've, you've got to develop some type of a passing game and pocket presence, or, you know, when the play breaks down, look to make the big throw because those are the guys and we've, we've broken it down many times on this show. Those are the guys that are going to sustain, um, greatness in the league. You know, Russell Wilson does it Deshaun Watson does it, you know, Cam Newton's starting to do it, but he's still so big that he still has that tendency to put his head down and, and, and get concussed. Um, but so we'll see. I mean, it feels like that Lamar Jackson's kind of getting the Roethlisberger treatment. You know, if you remember Roethlisberger's rookie season, you know, just have him go yeah, out there kid, and throw like eight times and just let the defense just roll up somebody. Kid gloves. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That won him a Super Bowl, though. Same with Tom Brady. People don't remember Tom Brady before Randy oh. Moss came along. Brady was Jeez. like, he's yeah. all right. <laughs> he, wasn't the, he wasn't two, a goat. Yeah, the first two Super Bowls, the Patriots won on defense. They weren't talking about Brady as the goat before uh, before he started putting up some Tecmo Bowl numbers with Randy Moss. It, 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 he was he was good. He was very good, but he wasn't like a great great quarterback. Well, I mean, what would what, what, you know when I well, I mean, you know, I don't think he's the goat. But well, yeah, what, what was it plus? Was he plus five or plus eight now in eight Super Bowls? Uh, <laughs> point differential. It's it's so sad. Um, you know. And a lot of that was, you know, last second field goal wins. I mean, the first two or three of them were for sure. Yeah, you know, and then well, the first two were uh, last second field goal wins, and you had the garbage time touchdown that made that a three point game against. Uh, was that Philadelphia? Was that New England mm-hmm. who beat them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was I mean, all, Lewis. Yeah. So. Yeah, they haven't they haven't exactly rolled people up. But yeah, no, that that defense uh from the Patriots used to be great. Um and you know that that, that the only reason they won that game that they against the the first one against the Rams was because that defense held the Rams down for basically three and a half quarters and then the Rams made that big charge to come back and tie it after pretty much being just completely shut down for the whole game. And they woke up but too little too late. Yeah, I don't know if Ty Law is ever making the Hall of Fame, but if it, he may, he might be one of those guys. You know how we sit here and watch guys from the fifties get elected to the Hall of Fame now because they made two tackles in a in a in an NFL title game. We've uh, discussed that very uh, very frequently on this show. Yes, we have. It's, it's still unbelievable to me that that can happen, but it can. And Ty Law might be one of those guys that he, back in, in 2035, they may talk about the Super Bowl back way back when Tom Brady's first Super Bowl, where Ty Law had a great interception and, and made a big statement uh, that the Patriots were here to stay. And uh, he'll go down in history as one of the greatest of all time that we didn't elect to the Hall of Fame until he was in his 70s or something like that. Yeah, well, Ty, Ty Law, I think Peyton Manning still sees him in his nightmares. Yeah, he he wasn't a bad player at all. I'm just saying that uh, there, there's going to be some guys from the, the modern era that wind up getting elected. When they have that rule, it, it's it's all about that rule that there's a mandatory amount of players that you elect yeah. every year that there's got to be at least five. And some years, it just does, there isn't five that deserve it. So they wind up scrounging up some guys from – 40, 50, 60 years ago. And yeah, I, I've, 
ranted about it many times before, but because it's stupid, because it, it really does contribute to how little regard I take real halls of fame, yeah. which is part of the the motivation behind our all of infamy, uh, because it's just it, the, the real halls of fame are just so man, uh, they're, they're so arbitrary. When you have a mandatory in football, when you have right. the, the baseball one, is just where you guys you have guys who are so so clearly obviously hall of famers but you have some writers that say well we can't vote him unanimously guys you can't have yeah you can't have somebody accidentally be a unanimous hall of famer so, so somebody's going to vote against greg maddox to be in the hall Come of on. fame or, or you know or randy john yeah I, this is so silly <sighs> yeah and like, but we have, we've always joked about you know like one one of these days they're going to accidentally unanimously vote somebody in and you'll get the writers go back. Well, I thought you were going to vote. No, uh, no, I thought you was voting. No, man. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. See, no. I... Somebody's got to sit there and be the guy who's just going to, Nope, I'm going to vote. I'm not going to vote for you. The hall of fame because it can't be unanimous. Okay. Uh, no, that that's so over the top. Ridiculous. It's, Mike Trout someday is going to have somebody say about his career that he wasn't a Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Famer, right. How fucking oh. dumb is that? Yeah, you're not joking. He, he is, you know, every year he's either the MVP or second or third in, in MVP voting, it seems like. And he's, you know, the most dynamic player in baseball. Somebody's going to sit that career. Right. Yeah. Someone's going to sit through and watch that career the way it's it's arcing and projecting right now, and say that that's not a hall of uh, a hall of fame player. Somebody's going to watch the yeah. career of Albert Pujols, how he dominated from basically the moment he got into the majors, <laughs> and say, no, that's not a hall of famer. Okay. Uh, again, my my he's rant gonna, on hall of fame. He's going to get 99.26 percent <laughs> of the vote or some ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, so the one the one other player that I want to throw a little cold water on, and we uh, picked him, so it's not like we uh, hate the, the team or hate the guy or anything like that, but everyone th- thinking that Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns have arrived after they put up 35 on the road. Uh, again, you got to pay attention to who the opponent is. You can't count anything anyone does against the Cincinnati Bengals defense as, as any kind of achievement. They are so bad. I mean, they are so – they are – statistically, they're the worst. When you watch them, they're the worst. They have no idea what they're doing. Marvin Lewis took over that defense, and they gave up 35 to the Cleveland Browns. So that that shows you how, how good that's working. Uh, it was good. It was, it was a, a very nice performance by the Browns. Uh, and, and I kind of like the little salt that Baker Mayfield threw at Hugh Jackson. I kind of like the little bit of a debate that wound up developing there over – Really, should you be allowed if you get fired in the middle of a season to go to a, a, a rival team and immediately start spilling all the state secrets or something like that? Although in this case, it didn't really seem to work. So maybe no harm, no foul there. Well, number one, yes, if you get fired, you can go work <laughs> wherever you like. Uh, and no, it not help. So both both points, it, it doesn't matter. It's a moot thing. Yeah, you Jackson sure helped a lot, didn't he? Um, if that was what Hugh Jackson did for helping, I, what would have happened if he didn't help? Well, he's clearly rubbing off on Cincinnati. I mean, he's clearly brought the magic. I mean, he's the worst NFL head coach of all time. (laughs) I mean, you can't, 
you can't get around. I mean, there's there's nothing that you can say. He has less than a 100 winning percentage. <laughs> and if they do finally shit can Marvin Lewis, he might be next in line. Can you imagine? No, no, they, they can't. <laughs> they, they might. can't do it. Oh, Don't say that Cincinnati Bengals can't do anything, because they very well might. Don't dare them. I mean, it, I wouldn't put it past the Bengals. But please don't tell me that they looked at Marvin Lewis, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Hugh Jackson, after he was done in Cincinnati and was like, well, we better snag him up. Yeah, the the Browns made a big mistake make, uh, letting him go. We have to really grab a hold of him and make yeah. sure he's next in line. Cleveland's now won two games <laughs> since uh, Jackson's been fired. And are, are talking like it, like he was like the the problem, or they're acting like he was the the thing holding them back, which is a little laughable. But there is something for attitude that does go a long way. If if the yeah. locker room got a boost of morale with him gone, then you know maybe that is maybe that's a good thing. I I don't think Greg Williams is making that big of a difference, but hey, what do I know? Uh, I think it was more just Hugh Jackson not being there, but you know a little bit of a boost, hey, that can go a long way. Right, or you could have all this, you know, they brought all this talent in in the last couple of years into Cleveland. I mean, it's it's completely believable that these players were all sitting in that Hugh Jackson locker room going, wow, this is like a, you know, this is a cloud college. You know, what's this <laughs> guy doing? Maybe he, he might just not be head coaching material. I would not argue that at all. I completely agree with that. And an offensive right. mind, and you've got Greg Williams running the helm now, and Cleveland put up 35. Yeah. They've got players. Uh, I mean, you look at that team. They're not, they're not terrible. And, and, and if you look at their record right now, they're not terrible. They're not good. But, you know, they're, they're definitely not the worst team in the AFC anymore. Four six and one compared to some of these other yeah. teams like Murga and the Forty Niners and all that. Yeah. Four six and one looks pretty damn good. Yeah, and I wasn't one of these people who was gonna be you know after they won or, or tied the Steelers and then won a game or it was like oh they're gonna go to the playoffs or oh they're gonna contend for the division. No, I, I believe I said before the season that I you know they they looked like a five win team and going from zero to five improving five games on your previous season is a hell of an improvement. And if they can parlay a five-win season this year into a seven or an eight, you know, they're, they're clearly the arrow is pointing up for them. And you look at that division, and, you know, Cincinnati is probably on the way down. Um, you look at the rest of the AFC, you know, the Jets are a mess. The, you know, the, the Bills are kind of still around. I know you did not agree with me when I said that if when the Patriots get dethroned, uh, we were trying to pick who'd be the team in the AFC East that would do it. And I said Buffalo, and uh, I stand by that. It's still hard for me to imagine. I I can see there's a pathway there for them that that, that I, I think Miami's going to have to torpedo the whole Ryan Tannehill thing. I think that's over. And the Jets are a mess. <laughs> the Jets are Bulls, a mess. Todd Bowles is going to get fired. They have no talent, hardly at all, on that team. That that is the dumpster fire. Um, Murga is running his team into the ground, but the Jets probably are the least talented team in football. 
It's very hard to argue with that. Uh, Sam Darnold, whatever he may be, you, you're not going to really be able to tell because he has no weapons. He has he doesn't have no. very much talent around him, so it's it's hard to gauge that. You know, when your best receiver is Robbie Anderson, you know, I like Robbie, but come on, so yeah, they're 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 they got a long hole to dig out of. Cover in the he got you that that win in that cover in that first game in that Monday nighter against the Lions and and then promptly disappeared. Right, and people, of course, are going crazy over that game. Like, you know, that that, oh, yeah. that was his coming out party. And I always kind of felt like, okay, I'm glad I got that win, but I wasn't, I didn't pick him to do that. I didn't pick four touchdowns for Sam Darnold. So I, I think that's a little, you know, I thought yeah. that was fool's gold. And then sure enough, that's what it turned out to be. But he's had some moments where he doesn't look anything like a, a pro quarterback. And he, he's he's very wildly erratic. And again, when you have very little talent in the skill positions, that's going to happen. So hard to tell with him. But yeah, they, they got a regime change coming. They got a new uh, coaching search coming. So hopefully they can yeah. pick the, the the smartest new hot kid from college that's going to coach him up and, and make a big impact. So yeah, and, I, and then, uh, you know, changing gears, another road game, another loss for the Packers, and the death watch continues. <laughs> Your favorite coach. Um, yeah, that was, uh, you know, 0-6 on the road now for Green Bay. Yeah. I just could not imagine it was going to happen like that. I, I was feeling very confident in that game. I, I thought Green Bay was going to win it, and it, it did not work out. I tell you what, I did not – I wasn't. I would not have predicted that if I knew Adam Thielen was going to bounce back like he had. Uh, that's a completely different team, the Vikings, when Adam Thielen is healthy and, and, and balling out and playing the way he, he, he played. But he hadn't been playing like that the last month or so. That's why uh, I picked against him. But if he's back, then, that yeah, that's a different uh, situation. Minnesota is a different animal when, when he's going and Stephon Diggs is going on the other side. They both make Kirk Cousins look probably a lot better than he really is, and that really made the difference uh, in the game. I, I think uh, Thielen was the entire difference in that game. Yeah, Kirk Cousins played a clean game. You know, I'm always worried about, you know, Kirk Cousins kind of showing up and <laughs> and 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 crapping all over a football game. But I, you know, I rolled with him on that pick. There was a home team. He had, statistically, he always statistically looks all right. He, he he always puts up the numbers. It's just for his, you know, for the. You know, the length of his career, it's been empty stats. It's been lots of yards, you know, touchdown. But then it was always the picks or the sacks or the strip sack, you know, the, just the at the worst possible moment or needing to drive for a touchdown to tire win the game and just not quite being able to seal the deal. Um, and in some of those cases, just throwing a pick six just for the hell of it, just for good measure. <laughs> he's not only going to try to – uh, come back and fail. He's going to give the other team points and just put the last nail in his own coffin, um, like that. But no, Aaron Rodgers in that game just, just still doesn't look right. What he had uh, going into the fourth quarter, he had something, some something like 116 or 120 yards. It was, it was, you know, when I looked at the stats for the game, I was watching the game and I checked out the stats. It was, it, it was just jaw dropping how lousy of a game he was having yeah he wasn't hooking up with uh Devontae Adams the way he has been lately 
Um, all those other weapons have serious issues, whether it's the, the same brown kid who's, in, who's inconsi- uh, inconsistent, uh, the, the other kid with the three names, Valdez Scantling, who was a ghost. You couldn't find him at all. He was totally covered up by the Vikings. Uh, Jimmy Graham trying to play with a busted thumb didn't work because he couldn't bring in the balls that he normally brings in. They were they were they tried they were attempts uh, for Jimmy Graham. He just couldn't haul him in. Uh, yeah, he, he's got uh, Aaron Rodgers is surrounded by a bunch of question marks right now, and uh, he's as good as he is. He can only do so much, and yeah, then he starts breaking down. And his his mechanics get off because of the pressure coming at him, and yeah, there, there's no hope once that happens. Uh, yeah, it's tough. It's been a very tough year for, for Green Bay, and it's not going to uh, work out in the end. They're clearly not going uh, – well, I, I say they're clearly not going to make the playoffs. They're not dead yet, but it, it's sure trending that way. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's bad when you got one uh, one guy on the on the one side and Thielen uh, balling out and giving you all he's got and Stephon Diggs helping out as well. And then it's you come back to your side trying to look for playmakers – and you got Tremont Williams standing in the middle of the field, letting punts bounce off of him uh, for the Vikings to recover. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what yeah. he's doing on special teams. And then on defense, he's getting just toasted by Stephon Diggs for, for touchdowns. Uh, I understand they're shorthanded uh, in the defensive backfield for Green Bay, but you you can't do better than Tremont Williams. He's, he's like, done. Like, he doesn't need to be playing football yeah. anymore. He's so done. Well, well they traded Ha-Ha Clinton Dix to Washington. It's so hard to find a good safety these days. They, well, they pulled a Murga. I mean, in, in the in the defense of the Packers on that one, I guess that was one of those where he was going to walk or they weren't going to give him the money anyways, so they might as well get something. But it, it's very reminiscent of the Golden Tate trade with with Detroit. You're, you're basically just signaling that you're quitting because if the guy still, you know, obviously if they thought that they were a contending team or they were going to go somewhere – they would have just kept him for the remainder of the season and gotten everything that they could out of him versus moving him for a fourth round pick. Yeah. I still didn't like the move. I, it's, so, it's, they don't do trades like that in the NFL traditionally. And it's, it's happened more and more as they move the, the trade deadline further up. But some of those trades, not all those trades in baseball go well either. No. Uh, all those July 31st trades where you trade the star and get prospects, a lot of those don't work out either. So just because you can do that doesn't mean you should. And I didn't think the Packers – I didn't understand that, and I didn't understand Detroit getting rid of Golden Tate either. I, the, that division, at the time that they made that trade, I thought was, was still pretty winnable. Now it looks like Chicago's going to run away with it. But uh, I, I don't like just – giving away guys that you, you especially guys you draft. I mean, what are you supposed to do? You draft a guy and he plays well for you. And the end result is you get rid of him before his contract even ups. So what's the point? Why are you in the league? If you're going to draft guys who play well and then not pay him, why are you even doing this? What's the point? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand, especially in, especially in foot where it's only a 16 game schedule. And things can change very rapidly. And you'd think a player of, of that caliber in their defense or, or Golden Tate on the offense or, you know, the Jaguars uh, trading Dante Fowler. He sure looks different with L.A. Mm-hmm. I mean, L.A.'s defense still stinks. That, that has got to be the most – that has got to be the most over-hyped defense in the league. 
to be getting gashed the way they're getting gashed and have that many names. I mean, that's like the Madden All-Stars on that Rams team. But still, the Jaguars knew. You know, the Jaguars are just as just as cognizant of what's of how bad their season's been as the Packers and the Lions. Yeah, I suppose so. You know, so I, did I you mean, like- I'm only a half game away from my predict- prediction for the Packers to finish in last place. You know that, right? <laughs> uh, it, it's been a tough year. That's all I can say for them. Uh, did you see at least your boy McCarthy had some balls at one point on the fourth down to go for it? They didn't get it, but at least he tried. It, again, I didn't. I did not torch him in the last game because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So this time he tried and they failed. But he's he's not getting he, he's not getting ripped for it. So I guess the effort in this case was worth it. Versus just putting it away, right? <laughs> yeah, because you're not going to get people say, well, you know, at least you you fourth and one and you, and you run the ball with Aaron Jones. It's hard to argue against that. It, it really is. Even though he got tied up by Harrison Smith and they couldn't, couldn't make the marker. A great play. Uh, it was a great play. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was uh, individual uh, open field tackle by, by, by Harrison Smith, but uh, – yeah, you can't really argue at least that particular process. It, it's one yard, and you go with your stud running back who's been ripping up and down the field already in the game. Uh, you probably should expect to make that. If they have the little uh, statistics and percentages and, and what, you know, what are the odds that he makes it, that's probably a good percentage that, that Aaron Jones gets that. It was just a great individual play by Smith. You know, and you almost had that feeling after what had happened with Seattle and the way that McCarthy got torched the week before that he just he had to go for it. I don't even know if he wanted to. Right. I, I think he just knew choice. that he had to. No matter what, I've got to go for this because they're already looking at me sideways. So I'm just going to go for it, and chips will fall where they may. And, yeah, the Vikings made a great play, and nobody was shredding McCarthy for making the call. So, Vikings still in the hunt, six four and one for a playoff spot. And uh, again, to me, looking uh, very potent as long as Thielen and Diggs are both uh, making plays. A totally different offense when when they're both healthy. Um, I wanted to talk about Seattle, and that was a master yeah. class uh, by the Seahawks and Russell Wilson on how to make plays when they count, when they matter. Because they yeah. weren't making plays for most of that game against Carolina. And then in the end, look at Russell Wilson just going crazy and, and making the plays that he has to make. Although, that Carolina coverage, that was hot garbage. That's, oh, yeah. that's one of those situations. you got to watch the, the, the plays that are being made. You can't just go by the box score. If you go by the box score, you're going to play praise Russell Wilson and say, oh, my God, what a great comeback, and this is why he's an elite quarterback and all that. Uh well, that was fine. He was fine. I'm not going to say that he was bad, but God, that was some awful, awful coverage by by Carolina. Uh, who's the guy? Corey Elder uh, was just. I don't know what he was doing out there. I absolutely. When you look so, it looks like you don't know what you're what you're doing. It looks like you're not playing NFL football. It looks like there's ten guys out there, and then you're just kind of standing around. That's what it looked like with, with some of those plays with him. Uh, so give Seattle credit for, for doing doing what they had to do, making the plays 
when it mattered and making that comeback. But but also keep an eye on the Panthers uh, back end because that, that secondary looks like it's trash. Yeah, I mean, the Carolina secondary, I've watched my fair share, share of a, a NFC South football over the last few years, and Carolina secondary, they can be had. They can have days like that where where they can look pretty bad. No, I, I, I give the credit here to Seattle. I mean, Carolina let them come back, but for, for just a moment, they kind of looked like the old Seattle. They kind of, they had the magic, yeah. you know, where Russell Wilson could play like garbage for most of the game. But then when you really needed him, he would step up under the, you know, under the pressure and he would make the throw. Um, and he throws a great ball. He creates down the field with his legs and he's all, but he's always looking for that home run. And, you know, he had that magic. He had that Russell Wilson magic. I mean, I know you don't think he's an elite quarterback, but he he has elite moments. And and this was one of them. He just, you know, he's, he's a frustrating quarterback because you, you, he can't do this all the time because this style of play is very reminiscent of what Aaron Rodgers does. Aaron Rodgers is always trying to, you know, dance around and, and look for the big home run ball throw, or he's always trying to catch somebody in a – 12 men on the field call or get somebody to jump off sides with the hard count. But it's like, you know, if he does, it's one trick pony. And if he can't do it, it doesn't work. Um, but with Russell Wilson, it's like, he's just, he's always looking for that kill shot. And they, they hung around and they hung around the defense, let him. the defense. It was a high scoring game, but the defense kept them around. You can't get the opportunity if the game's not close, <laughs> you know, and then Seattle hung around and hung around and hung around. The defense is not what it used to be, but it, it did it just enough, just enough. And that really saved them because that, that propels them into a spot now where you've basically got six teams fighting for three playoff spots right now in the NFC. And Seattle right now is on the outside looking in, but they could very easily be in. Yeah, they're, they're going to be right there uh, down to the end. I remember earlier that you were asking their ceiling, and I believe I said something like eight or nine wins, and that was yeah. a, a lot. But, uh, yeah, they've they're got the capability. they got the infrastructure of, still of a winning organization there, and th- that's why they can do things like that and, and make that kind of comeback down uh, seven with like only a handful of minutes left and find a way to tie it, get the ball back and and win it with a field goal. Uh, On the other side for the Panthers, they got to be looking and, and they look at Christian McCaffrey put together an all time day running the ball for over a hundred, catching the ball for over a hundred as well. And Cam Newton, you know, distributing the ball and, learning to trust this guy and, Hey, I got a weapon. I got another weapon here uh, that it's not, I don't have to run it. I don't have to, you know, be the Superman all the time. Uh, and then they wind up losing anyway because of the defense and, and the back end. Uh, that That's very tough. That's very frustrating for the Panthers. Uh, they, they remain a team that's very hard to predict. We both got that one wrong. Um, it, it's so hard to tell what, what they're going to do from game to game. Uh, especially when you get when you get a defense that you can't rely on, it's j- just like what the what the Bengals are going through right now. But every time you go out there, you got to look at the the back end of the defense and go, okay, what's going to happen this time? Are they going to give up a ninety yard touchdown? Are they going to get toasted? What you know, you have no idea what's coming from from game to game. So it's got to be very tough for for the Panthers. 
Yeah, you know, and looking at how bad the back end of the NFC is, it's it, nine nine gets you in, I think. Yeah, that, that very well. Uh, yeah, I mean, that sure looks like that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have you got Dallas, Washington, and Philadelphia. I've got a strange feeling that one of them, only one of them, is going to get in. I don't know. As much as I wanted to get Washington into the playoffs, it's going to be really hard to do it with Colt McCoy. Um, you know, Philadelphia and Dallas, I think, are going to just going to kind of duke it out for that division title. And I, I think whoever wins the East is is in, which means you're probably looking at some combination of Minnesota, Seattle, and Carolina for the two wild card spots. Just looking into my crystal ball here, that's kind of what I see. Unless the Bears, you know, the Bears, I don't know if the Bears are going to shit the bed um, and let the Vikings take that division late. Could happen. Uh, it looks, they look in command now, but they still get a rematch. It's hard to see Chicago or Minnesota not making the playoffs, you know, one way or the right. other. Yeah, I think they're both in. Yeah, Which means the, you got basically the NFC East winner plus one wild card, and it's going to be yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who gets in. But I think I think nine is the magic number. Yeah, it, I've kind of still you know wish that the Falcons could put it together and make a a, a run, but we we had that a couple weeks ago, and it, they they didn't start the the run very well, so therefore they've kind of taken themselves out of it. But hey. Five in a row, nine and seven, they'll be right there. Yeah, I mean, the the four-win teams, I mean, if you look at it, you know, there's only three teams in the NFC with less than four wins. And I, I don't know if any of the Green Bay, Atlanta, Tampa, Detroit, I don't know if anybody in that mix is has got a five-game winning streak in them. That, no, that, I'm sure that's they don't, but I'm just, I'm just that, wishing that, out that, loud. That, that, it's asking a lot. Um, yeah. I know Atlanta. Atlanta won't do it. Um, you know, I think Green Bay has the most favorable remaining schedule, believe it or not, right. with Arizona, Atlanta, the Jets, and the Lions. I mean, there's four winnable games there, so then it all comes down to at Chicago. They have to win that one. That That's the one. So, you know. If the Packers have the run, it's very it's very possible the Packers could go four and one here in their last five, um, and they're still not going to get in eight eight seven and one. I don't think gets you in. No, I, I don't think it does either. But and Atlanta um, Atlanta blew their chance with the losses to uh, with the yeah. loss to Cleveland, and and oh, just yeah the, the two bad losses that they took before losing to the to the Saints on that Thursday night. Um, you know, we had them all set up to be sitting here right now at six and five, but they didn't get the memo. Nope. They were out to lunch. <laughs> yeah. They just totally decided to, uh, uh, not show up, you know? And yeah, you can't lose to the, the Cowboys and, and the Browns when you need to be taking care of business. And again, very winnable schedule left for them, but they're not ripping off five in a row. Now, the AFC jumble, to me, is a little clearer because I'm looking at a few of those five-win teams, and I'm like, there's zero chance that they're going to be there uh, later on at the end of the year. Miami is is completely going down the toilet. Cincinnati is completely going down the toilet. 
Andy Dalton's on the injured reserve, so they, they're going to try to compete with Jeff Driscoll. Or, uh, no. Yeah, no idea. No idea who that guy is. Well, let's not make fun of him too bad. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and, and Denver and Tennessee and, and Cleveland at 4-6-1. and one. I'm not imagining them uh, making much of a challenge. So that really only leaves to me uh, the the streaking six and five uh, Indianapolis Colts and the enigmatic six and five Baltimore Ravens to sort of duke it out over the last spot because the Chargers uh, at eight and three and, and the Chiefs at nine and two they're I, I'm they're pretty sure they're both going to be in the playoffs uh, regardless of who wins the division so yep. that that at least one spot to to be battled over and from the way I see it it's only those two teams. Uh, the Colts and the and the Ravens finding it out. I I don't trust the the Titans to to make a run up up in there. Uh, they're too uh, uh, iffy. They're too wishy washy. Um, like I said, the uh, the Bengals and the Dolphins. There's no way they're going to be there. And then the Broncos are also very en- enigmatic. So maybe you see a uh, you see them competing. That was a that was a, a an interesting win over the Steelers. Uh, yeah, I, I thought the Steelers outplayed them for most of the game, but they came out on top anyway. So uh, that's either the Steelers kind of gagging it away or the Broncos uh, stepping up and making it happen when it matters, uh, depending on your point of view. Well, you know, and Denver's a tough team to beat at home. I don't want to make a pun here by calling them a dark horse team. You know, that, that's totally oh. an unintended pun. Um, yeah, sure it is. But, yeah, I would say the Ravens, the Colts. Hey, hey! Ravens, Colts, and Broncos are probably the three teams that I think have the most realistic chance, and I think the Broncos have the most outside chance. I actually think the Colts, um, if I had to pick right now, even though they're another team that's on the outside looking in, even though they're, they're tied, I think Baltimore very slightly has that tiebreaker over them. I like the Colts if I have to look into the crystal ball again uh, to sneak into that last spot. It's hard to, to bet against them the way they've been playing. They're, they've turned it around. They, they've, they've, they, they started terrible just like the uh, Texans did. Texans are now the first team in NFL history to win eight in a row after losing their first three. And you had the Colts who were sitting with what we talked about. Was it one in four? And uh, one and three, one and four. Now they're sitting here at six and five, and Andrew Luck's actually looking like a, a, a you know, like himself again. Uh, in the last show, I mistakenly called their uh, stud linebacker uh, Lindsey. That's the that's the running back from Denver. Stud rookie the, the, running the back. The linebacker from the Colts is Leonard. Yep, there is um, Leonard. There is Leonard, who is it was a lot. It was I was tired on Saturday, but that's who I was actually talking about. And, but at least I was aware enough and I didn't go back and listen to the show. I, at least I was aware enough to realize I screwed that up. So I, you know, <laughs> caught myself in a, in a moment of lucidity on Sunday, watching the game going, Oh, Leonard. <laughs> I think I called him Lindsay. Oh crap. So yeah, I'm going to make the, make the correction here on air and get that right now. And I'm, sorry, Darius Leonard, you're not Philip Lindsay. That's good on you. I don't realize my mistakes until after I listen to them, uh, listen to the show and go back oh. and go, why did I say that? Why did I call the <laughs> Ravens the Bengals or something? You know, yeah. but uh, the Colts, I don't... you know, the, 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 the Dolphins gave them 
the Dolphins gave them a game. I, I give the Dolphins credit for showing up. Uh, they are a completely different team, I guess, with Ryan Tannehill. Maybe, maybe he's just a maybe he's a good rah rah kind of guy, or he gets them pumped, or they've got the confidence in him. Maybe they see something that that all of us don't or have given up on. But the the Dolphins showed up. Uh, Dolphins had chances in that game uh, to get themselves back to six and five. They'd be the most unimpressive six and five team in football if they had. But you know, I, I still don't think that they're going to be the ones. I, I'm going to put the money on the Colts. Um, the Ravens, I don't trust. I don't trust the Ravens yet. This Flacco Lamar Jackson thing, and I think that could end horribly here in December. Yeah, the Dolphins had a chance, but they they hurt as quarterback. Uh, they're up ten at one point, uh, but yeah. then Adam Gase makes the coaching call there. On uh, he runs on third down to give Andrew Luck the ball back with, with more time than he needed to give him, um, and that's how the Colts wind up winning the game uh, yeah. in, at the in the last second. Uh, so yeah, the Dolphins they, they 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 had their shot, but they're probably outclassed going in there uh, into Indianapolis. Uh, Andrew Luck is playing not like completely like the old Andrew Luck, but close enough. Like he is much better than I thought he was going to be. Uh, he he's, seems to be recovered from all of his injuries. And uh, that was really serious too, for a while, his career was on hold. He had a, a, a solid two years there where he, he couldn't really play the way that he was supposed to play. And he looked completely different than when he first got in the league. And now he's coming. He's coming back around to being that Andrew Luck, and and that Andrew Luck can play with really with anybody. He, uh, people probably forget how good he was coming out of Stanford, but he was like clearly the number one quarterback, and, and it wasn't even close. Uh, it, it wasn't like a debate like we have, uh, you know, with Jameis and Mariota or with Winston Golf. It wasn't like, well, someone someone might contend with Andrew. Luck. No, no one was contending with Andrew Luck because that's how great he was. And he, he was pretty damn good his first few years in the league, but then these injuries slowed him down. Uh, but his career is back on track, and the Colts look like they got a lot of confidence. They they believe in him. They know what they got. And, yeah, they're, I'm kind of rooting for them to come through with that last wild card spot. I think they they would provide a, a fun challenge uh, on wild card weekend for any one of those uh, yeah. uh, division teams. You know, and as far as we didn't, uh, you asked me, and I never answered the question about, you know, what my takeaway was with the uh, the Denver-Pittsburgh game. And yeah. once again, you nailed this last week, and it came out again against Denver, and I didn't expect it to, but the uh, the James Conner ghost tour is continuing. <laughs> you know, Where is he? Where did he, where did he you go? Know, so you have, so Denver, in a game where they give up, 462 yards passing to Roethlisberger um, holds them to 17. So again, those are that, that that's a Kirk Cousins day. You, know, you throw for 462 wow. and you only get into the end zone twice. And one of those was uh, that 97 yarder, that crazy right. one that he threw to Juju Smith. So yeah, that that's going to be a big chunk of that 462 yards. But Denver's defense I mean they they basically kept this after that play and that play was early not that long after halftime that was it the Steelers never scored again and uh 
Denver took care of business. So every every time you're ready to anoint Pittsburgh as you know all they're going to all their Super Bowl material, they remind you why they're not. That that I wish uh, uh, Bryson Brooklyn, the world's biggest Steelers fan, would call in and talk about that game. That's the one. He's in a straight jacket one. right now. That's why he can't call. Steve's driving him insane. This was a master class by the Steelers in how to give away a football game. It was incredible how many chances they had to put the Broncos away and did not do it. Uh, Xavier Grimble, that was the biggest uh, situation why the Steelers only scored so many points because the the third or fourth tight end, Xavier Grimble, uh, gets a a wide open catch that he's going to take into the end zone, except right at the one-inch line, Will Parks just pops him, and he drops the ball and fumbles it uh, around the the pylon for a touchback. And that's the big one. Um, And then later on at the end of the game, uh, Ben is picked off down there at the goal line as, as Pittsburgh is trying to go in for the tie. A nice long drive, too, like 10 plays. And they get right there to the goal line, and on third down, he he doesn't see the he, he tries to fake uh, uh, fake the inside run, pulls it back, and and tries to go to Antonio Brown over the middle. He does not see the nose tackles Shelby Harris uh, of all people uh, sort of dropping back. I think he sort of got pushed back by the uh, offensive yeah. lineman, but whatever the case may be, he falls right into the path of the throw, and Ben just throws it right into his hands, which. Yeah has to be the first uh, pickoff to seal a game by a nose tackle in the history of football. Um, yeah, not since the – oh, God, the uh, the B.J. Oh, Raji pick the, six. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking yeah. of the B.J. Raji pick six. Probably the last time we saw a nose tackle making, uh, making himself known in, in an NFL football game. But that was also Caleb Haney. Uh, that that, not, that was exactly who that was. That was, that was... And that's just the frustrating thing about the Steelers to me is Brady doesn't – that doesn't happen to Brady. That doesn't happen to Breeze. But the mm. weird stuff like that just seems to happen to Roethlisberger. Like, he ha- he has some of that, you know, sabotage ability of his own. Where that's what the game look like. The head, really the head scratchers. If the, he throws yeah. something, just like, what? 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 You know, I don't see Aaron Rodgers is getting picked off by nose tackles. <laughs> I mean, I don't care and, if the guy got pushed back. How do you not see him? 462 was a lot. Uh, most of it was Juju. Uh, yeah. That was like his career game. Antonio Brown was a, was a little bit of a ghost. Um, and, yeah, when, when Ben isn't balls. connecting. I mean, is the nine, the nine-catch ghost. None of them were really deep. I was looking for him. No, there was no impact. Like, there wasn't a lot yeah. of impact. I will give you that. But, no, it's it, like I said, it's the James Conner uh, ghost, ghost tour, too. Yes. He, he, uh, well, they, but they took him out of the, the game plan on purpose, the Steelers did. They wanted Ben yeah. throwing, uh, especially early. Like, Ben, I think the first ten plays were throws. So they they were trying to on purpose not go to James Conner, trying to establish the pass and establish uh, all these other targets, Juju and uh, the tight ends and and all of that. And and like you said, Antonio Brown did mix in there for nine catches. It was a quiet ass nine catches. If you watch the game, it, you, you were like, where's Antonio Brown? I'm waiting for him to make a big play downfield, and never he really never did. But yeah, when, when it, it's when Ben doesn't connect with Antonio deep like that. Uh, 
that's when he seems to really struggle and kind of make some bad throws and, and starts getting angry at his teammates. You, you may have heard that Ben is criticizing his teammates in the media this week uh, as if he has any right to. Um, but he thinks he's been around long enough that he can do that. But he really should start in the mirror when he starts criticizing teammates because, like you said, all those other elite quarterbacks, they don't seem to miss guys, 300-pound guys, dropping into the, the line of uh, of whatever throw that you're trying to make. That's that's a pretty big guy to miss. That, But that is a – that's a symptom of a different problem because we talked about this earlier in the season with the Steelers and, you know, I pegged a lot of this stuff, a lot of the chirping and the things you heard, the way they threw Le'Veon Bell under the bus. And it's like, you just, you just don't do that. You, even a guy who's holding out, you support him, right? You, you know, he's sticking up for the rights of the players and he's doing that stuff. I still squarely put this on Tomlin. I think he runs a pretty, a pretty loose, a pretty loose ship. He looks like he's like the strong captain of the ship, but I think his players underneath him are a little unruly. And, and I don't think that there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, discipline coming from it on that side. Cause he is just as likely, he, he says some stupid shit too in the media. And I think the team, um, you could start to see like if they weren't good, where they would start trying to like, oh, okay, I know we, we've only had like three coaches or four coaches in our history, but I, I could see Mike Tomlin's uh, stay wearing out. I think he'll go somewhere else and be a really good head coach because he clearly can coach. But I'm wondering, you know, if it's just like that, you could start to see some of the chinks in the armor on that team with all this stuff going on and then all the chirping and, the you know, it, it, there's something going on. I think that that's more of like a uh, like a systemic problem with that team. I certainly can't disagree with that because I called for him to get fired before last year began. I thought that was going to be the end of him <laughs> last year. Yeah. Uh, but in general, I, I agree with you. I think it's a culture in, in yeah. Pittsburgh where Mike Tomlin has everyone thinking that they are the greatest players in the world and anything that happens really isn't their fault. It's got to be something else. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that does start from the top up. Uh, and probably not going to get solved anytime soon. No, I guess we got a game tomorrow night, huh? Yes, we do. It's uh, it's it's. I think it's a, a curious game. I think it's a, a game that should be interesting. Uh, you got the Saints and the Cowboys. You you take yep. away the uh, the short week situation in, for this particular Thursday night football game because both the Saints and the Cowboys played last Thursday on Thanksgiving, so they're both on that actual week of rest. You take away uh, the travel situation. It's not that big of a travel field to go from New Orleans to Dallas. So uh, pretty evenly matched as far as Thursday night games go. Uh, But, of course, uh, definitely different teams as far as their records uh, with the Cowboys coming in, uh, hosting at 6-5, and fighting for the uh, NFC East still, and the Saints at 10-1 and dominating and dominating the NFC South and, and every other part of the uh, conference. So uh, New Orleans is the big favorite, of course, uh, with all of that. They are seven-point faves on the road at the Cowboys. Jason, who do you got? Yeah, you know, they seem to have found a little bit of magic with Amari Cooper. You know, uh, Prescott seems to be trying to force-feed him the ball. I think the Saints are going to know that, but the Saints' defense isn't that great. So I, I think that the Cowboys can keep in a shootout with the Saints for about a half. 
I can see this being maybe a three or a seven point game, maybe around halftime. I think Sean Payton adjusts. The Saints end up winning by 20, 21 points. I like this to go maybe 41 20, 41 So I'm going to take the Saints and lock it up. What? Now you're doing the early lock. I did it on Thursday last week, and now you're doing the, the very early lock. So there it is. Jason's got Saints locked and loaded. I, like I said, uh, think this is much more evenly matched than most Thursday night games uh, would be. And I think the Saints and the Cowboys are a little more evenly matched than people might think because when I look at the trends, the Saints' run D is trending a little bit down. You know, Dallas might take care uh, advantage of that. Uh, the Saints' pass D might be trending a little up, but uh, Dallas is definitely trending up uh, in, in the passing, passing offense ever since Amari Cooper got there. I got Dallas hanging in and, and competing in this game as well. I have them covering the spread. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the game. I think the Saints are playing really good, obviously. But I think they're about ready to sort of slack off a little bit. And this one being on the road, I think if it was at New Orleans, it would be a different story. But this one being on the road at Dallas should be a great atmosphere. Uh, really no more of a hunch than the Saints are 10-1. and one. They've been dominant. I think it's time for them to sort of take their foot off the gas a little bit. Uh, and, and take the Cowboys a little lightly. And I got Dallas getting a, a big win. Dallas is going to be hungry for it. Uh, so I, I got Dallas actually hanging in there and winning the game. But even if they lose, I still got them covering a seven-point spread at home because that's a lot of points. But not enough to lock it up. No, I'm not going into a lock-off with you on that. I will. I, I cannot imagine <laughs> locking up Dak Prescott ever, <laughs> or Jason Garrett for that matter. But uh, I do have yeah. Yeah, I honestly don't think seven feels big enough. I thought this would be a larger spread. I thought this could go to ten or eleven territory, which we've seen. We've seen the bookies and the odds makers. They've done this to us quite a few times this year with these sort of maybe undeserved high lines where they've really crapped on home teams, and they didn't do it this time. I I think seven shows a little bit of respect to Dallas as good as that the Saints have played. But then I also look on the other side of this, well, that's one hell of a value. Don't think the Cowboys are going to be able to stay within a touchdown of the Saints. I haven't stayed on top of the spread like doggedly, but I've I've seen it at seven and a half uh, a couple of places this week. So I think some money's actually being put on Dallas. I think some other people are thinking that the Cowboys are going to compete as well. And and I I can't blame them when you think when you look at the New Orleans defense and you look at what Dallas what Zeke Elliott could possibly do to them they they might shred the Saints defense because they are not all that good as you already pointed out uh, and and staying with them for a half is uh, certainly something you can see happening but if they if the Dallas defense which has been showing signs of, of being rather potent. Like they they got some young guys on that defense that are really making plays. If they make yeah. a play here or there and, and hold the Saints, you know, under say ten points in the first half, and Dallas explodes for like twenty one twenty eight, uh, all of a sudden Saints are fighting for their lives, which they haven't had to do this year. Uh, I, I can absolutely see the Cowboys uh, hanging in there, and and like I said, even if they don't win the game, hold on for the win. Uh, I, I can see the Saints uh, having to fight and scratch and claw back to, to beat them uh, and not covering the, the seven-point spread. 
Yeah, and and also too, like you said, the the not short week scenario here, where you have both teams getting the full week of rest. So I, I almost I almost have to treat this like a Sunday pick because right. this, isn't, this isn't your standard Thursday fair. Um, I, yeah, I, yeah. I looked at the line history here. The Saints opened up at seven and a half, and it has pretty much bounced between seven and a half and a, and seven all week. Okay. So not a lot of movement, not a lot of back and forth. The only the only other thing that changed was the over under dipped from fifty three to fifty two and a half. So there's been yeah. action coming in on the under on this game, which I find mind blowing. Hmm. If the Cowboys uh, do execute, they're not going to win uh, if it's a shootout over the air. Uh, so if they execute their game plan and control the clock with Zeke Elliott, then yeah, it could, it might well it might well go uh, underneath that that number. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I I think that the the Cowboys can can do that for maybe a half. The trouble with the Saints is that they just put so much pressure on you. There's who who do you stop? I mean, they're they're winning game. They're scoring forty points, and Drew Brees is throwing for a hundred and twenty yards. Yeah, he doesn't have to do much if they're running the ball no. uh, with Kamara and Ingram. Yeah, you know they do all this dump off stuff. They throw they throw Taysom Hill out there to do a little wildcat. Uh, the, the Saints' offense is definitely it's rolling, and they're doing it with an old quarterback who's not very mobile. So Drew Brees doesn't have to do any running. So they bring in another guy who can 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 bring that dynamic. I'm still waiting for him to try a pass. That's <laughs> going to happen at this point. He's allegedly a quarterback. Allegedly. Allegedly. But I'm waiting for Taysom Hill to actually attempt a pass out of that Wildcat formation because when he does it, they're going to catch somebody asleep. Yeah, that happened in the uh, Colts game too, that um, they lined up uh, – I forget who the – person they had in the backfield was but they split uh, Andrew Luck wide. Oh, they brought in Jacoby Brissett and they yeah. and they had they had him as quarterback on on a fourth and one and they split Luck wide and the defender who who was supposed to be looking at Luck just completely disregarded him and, and ran in and blitzed because he's like they're not throwing the ball to Luck. And Brissett threw the ball to Luck and they converted the yeah. first down by which which and, is exactly what they were not doing with Lamar Jackson, as you've pointed out. Oh, yeah. He's, they're he not trying to have him throw it off. They have nobody on his half of the field, and Joe Flacco wouldn't even look at him. Right. Would, yeah. So that's interesting that that's Jake Brisket doesn't have a problem. Look, hey, there's a guy that's open. He, he He's won a few games as a pro. Oh, you know, somebody's that wide open, throw the ball to him. I don't think that was part of the game plan, though. I don't think uh, he was supposed to – I don't think that was one of his options. I don't think that was one of his reads. I think he just kind of said, hey, there's a guy wide open. I'm going to throw him the ball. Uh, yeah. And, and Luck made the catch. He had to go, he, And he had to go up and make the catch, too. It wasn't, like, just laid out to him. The throw was a little high. And Luck had to go get it, and he, and he went up there and got it. So they're he's a big lucky. guy, but he's athletic. Lucky he didn't get driven into the ground and get his shoulder busted, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but that just reminded me when you talk about someone's going to get caught on one of those uh, read options, wildcat plays, uh, when Taysom Hill finally throws the ball, uh, you would have thought that that was the time in the indie game that somebody uh, 
would have gotten it right to just, oh, the quarterback is split wide and no one ever throws to that quarterback when he's split wide. Uh, when you think of all the times Flacco went wide uh, and Lamar yeah. Jackson didn't look at him, but that's because Lamar Jackson wasn't trying to throw the ball anyway. Uh, so nobody should have been paying any attention to Flacco split wide anyway. So they did the same thing with Luck, and nobody should have paid attention to him except Jacoby Brissett said, hey, wait a minute, this guy's wide open. I'm going to throw the ball. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's going to happen. You you will get caught thinking that the the quarterback that split wide is just completely a decoy, uh, and, and I'm and I'm all for that. I I think if you're going to split wide and pretend like you're a football player, that at least every now and then you should actually be involved in the football play. Yeah, I, I cannot stand those plays when those guys go split wide and then they snap the ball and they just stand there completely petrified, like they're afraid to even move because they don't want to risk getting hit. I'm like. It, are, are you a football player or not? If you're not, get off the field. You know, put 11 guys out there that actually want to play. I hate that when they got the 10 guys and then one guy standing off to the side. Can't stand Wow. That. Man, you sound like me talking about teams that get to the one-yard line and throw four times. Yeah, I don't like it either. But, yeah, you, you get on those rants about that, and, yeah, that was my big rant. I, ooh, with, with, Jay Cutler would do that, too, down in Miami. They split him wide and snapped the ball, and he yeah. would literally stand there and not move at all. Like, he's not even trying to be involved in the play. Yeah. Like, what's, why, what's are you, little, why are you there? What's a, what's a little different with the Saints, though, is these Taysom Hill packages that, that, that Sean Payton runs out there, from what I've seen of them in a lot of these packages, Drew Brees isn't even in the game. Yeah, sometimes they, 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 they do just take him off the field, yeah. Right, so Drew Brees just runs off and Taysom Hill comes in, but he is every time, every time he's taken a snap, I don't believe he's attempted a pass yet. It's going to happen. I don't know if they're saving it. I don't know if it's going to be like a playoff thing, but this is supposed to be their big dynamic playmaker, special teams guy, but my, my understanding was that he was a quarterback. And at some point, he's going to, he's going to like – try to duck that thing. He's going to do the Tebow, you know, maybe run up to the line of scrimmage and then just <laughs> pop up and throw the touchdown, um, which that worked a couple of times. That worked in Florida, but it didn't work a lot in the pros, but it worked It worked once or twice. Yeah, it worked once or twice. That's about all you can hope for. But, hey, yeah. the one time is all you need if, it's, if that changes a game, you know? Yeah. So – be interesting to see if they've got. I don't know if they need a lot of trickeration against Dallas. No, they probably don't. I, I believe I have seen the Saints run all three quarterbacks at the same time. Where yeah, like, they, I, you never know what they're going to do. Bridgewater is under center. Yeah. Breeze is split one way, and Hill is the in the backfield or something like that. I, I have seen that. So Sean Payton does have a whole lot of tricks up his sleeve. He probably hasn't played a whole lot of them yet at all. Still. Um, Taysom Hill on the season, you, you got me curious, to, has he thrown at all, uh, is three of six for 64 yards. Oh, wow. That, that's great. <laughs> it says long of 44. So one of those, of those 64 yards, one of yeah. them was a 44 yard pass. So, okay. He has attempted it. He's, uh, got, uh, Six attempts on the year, and Bridgewater has one uh, in, in mop-up time, which was incomplete. <laughs> nice. 
But yeah, I'm he, wondering. He's, he's got to be the quarterback, right? He's got the, the, the yeah. second most pass attempts on the team, so that makes him the, the backup well, quarterback. I, I'm also wondering how many of those could have been, like, as a holder or it, – it's so oh, crazy. Fake, fake punches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who knows? That's the guy I'd have to be in my holder. Oh, he he can let it go. He can pick it up uh, and and fire it to whoever if you if you need yeah. that. Sure. So yeah, it'll be a fun game. At least it's at least it's a good game. Thursday night games Should have been be. strangely good this year. I don't know Not if that has strangely. anything to do with the big Fox contract. Uh, yes, ding ding ding. Yeah. We figured that out yeah. uh, earlier. All about the money. It always. As soon as that schedule clicked over, it was the first two games were uh, NFL Network, I believe, or the first three maybe. Yeah. And as soon as Fox, as soon as the Fox part of it picked up, it, oh look at all these great games! Wow, how did that happen? Uh, give yeah. me one guess. They paid a lot of money, and they said we are not going to get the crap games. You put those on Monday. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. Always. Yeah. No, we've been, but the Monday night games have been mostly crap. Yeah. that And that's strange, too, because when we were younger, the Monday night games were always really good. They, they didn't put yeah. crap games on, on ABC, but ever well, since it went to ESPN, it's not network anymore. Now they don't seem to really care as much. Well, it's so hard to predict now who the good teams are going to be. So you end up with more stinkers. You can't flex out a Monday night, which you should be able to. I don't know why you can't. I don't know either. Now, I, I, I would. what I would probably say is if I was the NFL, I would have a flex scheduling system so that once you reach, like, week five – you know, you can, you can, you, you still want to, you, you want to still have like a two or a three week heads up, but you should still be able to, to flex a game in, uh, maybe not the week of the game, but no. set the schedule. Don't, don't, don't set a Monday night schedule for the whole year. So we end up with, you know, Titans jets or something like that. <laughs> well, we're going to end up with that anyways. The, the ones that are killers are like, they had the Niners for all those primetime games because they thought that Jeffney yeah. Garoppolo was going to be there. <laughs> they can flex out of those Sunday nighters, but not the Monday uh, nighters. Yeah. Well, I'm checking here. We've got uh, Vikings Seahawks in week 14. That's a good game. That's actually a very important game now. Oh, yeah. um, Saints Panthers. That's not a bad game. That's actually going to probably be more important for the Panthers. Broncos Raiders. Oh, Oh. on Christmas Eve. Oh no! Merry Christmas. Here's your shit stocking, everybody. (laughs) And of course, there's no. That is actually the last Monday night game because the week uh, week seventeen there is no Monday night game. Right. There is also no Sunday night game, but uh, don't they usually they flex something into that automatically? Right, they're they're holding that out for whatever game is is, yeah. is important enough to put on Sunday night. If I had to predict, I'm gonna get to I'm gonna predict right now that that will be. I'm gonna go ahead here and predict that that will be Bears Vikings. I have a weird feeling that that could be for all the marbles. Well, if it is, that's what it'll be, because it's always the game that has uh, the most yeah, important the most playoff, playoff uh, uh, Yeah. Yes, 
That could be the one. And if I had to pick a number two, I would say Chargers-Broncos. Hmm. Uh, sneaky. That's sneaky. If if the that is. or Col or Colts Titans, because <laughs> they do that. also like throwing the garbage division win. You know the yeah that that that's got some potential <laughs> as well. Because well, by week seventeen, be for all we know, uh, that well I don't know if that'll be a division title because Houston no that, Houston's going to win that division. Houston's yes. good. I mean Houston man once Deshaun Watson kind of got over the cobwebs. Um. Off yeah, that those knee, ribs up. Yeah. man, that's back to what we saw last year. What what made us so excited? But when, last year, when it made him my rookie of the year in four four games. Yeah, you're seeing those flashes. Yeah, they're back, and then that defense is getting after it again. So, uh, Houston's been uh, Houston's going to be sneaky good here. He hit Demarius Thomas on a couple of those uh, yeah. end zone corner throws for touchdowns. So you're mixing him in now. Yep. Uh, yeah, there. That's that's an extremely potent offense uh, going on yep. to uh, to get backed up by such a, a violent defense. I mean, when JJ Watt comes around the corner, you you have nothing to do but just take a shit and sit down. <laughs> that's all you can do. And I don't know what to make of the Texans once we get to January, but no one's going to want to play them. Oh God, no! No, I wouldn't want anything to do with them. No, uh, that is, and that's not a team I think that's going to be scared if they have to go on the road to Kansas City or New England or Pittsburgh. I don't think Houston's scared of anybody. No, and they shouldn't be. If those defenders are are healthy, the, if that front four is is healthy and yeah. getting after whatever quarterback, they can contend with anybody. So that's hey, uh. It's setting up nicely here. We got we got five what five weeks left to go, four weeks left to go. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> uh, five weeks. Week uh, thirteen, yeah. yeah, five weeks. So we got this week and five more. I've already got my. I'm trying to blow my lead in the locks right here. Um, <laughs> You're that's inspired one thing we by me talk uh, about blowing it last Thursday. I've now snuck one up on you. Um, in Are the we locks tied at eight now? Are we tied, did or did I, I get count? one ahead of you? I thought I was up 8-7 uh, before this past weekend. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. I thought I had gotten back to even. Um, thought I had gotten back to even already. We shall. We'll check. We'll have to check. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm running tired myself, so I'll, uh, I'll definitely look over and see. Um I mean, I got the the whole list up here. I can go through each ah. week one. As dull as that might be, but we're not live anymore, so it's fine. Yeah. Um. In, in week one, you uh, won with the Jaguars over the Giants, and I lost because I had the Falcons on the season opener against the Eagles. Um. But then I evened it up in week two because I had the Vikings over the Packers. Ah. Uh, oh, looks like it looks like you're right. Looks like time. looks like we're back. I thought I thought I had gotten back to one up on you, but no, at least I'm back okay. to even. So you are back to even. Yeah, so I don't have to go go through that. No, we're we're eight and eight. Uh, we both both have eight locks uh, uh, after twelve weeks. So that's a much better so percentage eight, than what I was doing in the first season. Yeah, I know that. eight and four. That's K. Yeah, I'll take that. Not, I mean, the first year we did the locks, I didn't. I lost like two or three the whole year. 
I did not. I, 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 not, I, I kind of caught on to the lock stuff early, and then the, the last year was the first time you got me on the locks, and then uh, this year I'm trying not to let it happen twice. <laughs> so I, I know you were one up on me, but I didn't think we had a terrible week for week 13. No, I, I didn't think we had a terrible week either. So counting the terrible Thanksgiving, um, but, I did yeah. still manage to. I uh, still did manage to go eight and seven uh, for the week, so that was uh, basically eight and uh, eight and four on Sunday and Monday yeah. for me. Um, and you went seven and eight on the week. Uh, you got uh, six wins on Sunday. Um, so seven, yeah. So one uh, one up on you for the for the week and for the season. I'm sixteen up on you at the moment, but. Uh, as you, of course, you always point out, uh, your percentage didn't go down nearly as much as mine because of the, the disparities uh, at the beginning of the week. Yeah, it gets so, interesting late. <laughs> so even though I won one more game than you, my season percentage actually dropped four points and yours only dropped one. So you, you still managed to cut into me a little bit there. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm just con- been consistently right under that 500 line. And just a quick descriptor for anyone new, the reason the percentage, the season percentage matters is because when we get to the playoffs, we uh, convert our season percentage points uh, into uh, a point system that all, all, I, all I do is take the season percentage and multiply it by 200, and there's your points. And then from there, you're picking the wild card games, and each one you get right, you get two points. And the conference semifinals, you get three points. The conference finals, you get four. And the Super Bowl, you get five. And that's how we determine uh, who's the best picker at the end of the year. Uh, and then with these locks, we are playing for to, to, to start the playoffs with an extra one point. Whoever has the most correct locks at the end of the regular season gets one point right at the beginning free of charge. And it's uh, we, we keep saying it's going to be important because we've had so many tight seasons in our 30 years of picking football games, however many years it's been. Um, But it hasn't been all that close uh, since we started doing the podcast. But one, one of these days that point is going to matter that we're fighting for, for the locks. So we we're we're still trying to figure all that out, but it won't be this year. I mean, you're having, you're having one of our better seasons. I mean, you're only, you're, you're not that far away from what someone, you know, the best season either one of us have ever had. Yeah, five seventy six at this point is is yeah. pretty damn good. Um, up to second in the uh, the pickwatch dot com contest. Yeah, that's pretty and good. Up, and up to seventh in the wagerline uh, covers dot com contest, which that's where the the money lies. That's uh, the the winner of that, I believe, is uh, that gets three thousand dollars cash. So I'm really hoping to yeah. make some some noise and get further in that one. Yeah, I believe the. I, I, the, the the books have all been lost to history, but the number has always been 605 is the record um, one of us had over the other for a full season. And then I don't think that's ever been beaten. I don't remember what year that was. That's, a, that's many years ago. That's probably at yeah. least 20 years ago that that happened. That was the only season you and I have ever had. I remember there was a season that I had. I had a 605 because it was the only season you and I have ever had that the playoffs didn't matter. It was so out of reach that yes. even if I'd have swept the playoffs and you lost every pick, I still wouldn't have caught you. Right. That will now, never that, happen again. <laughs> now, 
was that before I invented the point system, or what? How did that, that work? If, and it's possible that might be what the point system sprang out of. <laughs> right, like, damn, wait like, a minute, wow. <laughs> we can't, you know, can't even catch you in the playoffs because our Jeez. our playoff point system has always been thirty three points. It's always been that there's a potential for thirty three points. You know, eight, twelve, eight, and five. The five yep. weeks, so it's 20, 33 points. So yeah, whether it was I was third, more than thirty three games ahead of you, which is possible, um, <laughs> seems more likely that that was the case than the case with the points. Because with the points to be thirty more than thirty three points ahead would be, I would have had to have been picking like under four hundred for the year. I think. Yeah, I mean we've had we've happen. had seasons where it's been over after like the first round of the playoffs, you know, and definitely oh, had yeah. a lot of seasons where it's been over after the division round. Um, but ever since the point system came up, it seems like we're usually getting to the conference championship week. Even if one of us is way behind having 18 points still in play means that usually there's somebody still got a chance. And that's all you can hope for is to still be within shouting yeah. distance. And that point system has created some phenomenally cheap wins for both you and I <laughs> over the years. Yeah, when you talk about a half a point here or there, meaning the difference between yeah. you gaining four points in the playoff system and, and losing four points. Yeah, because yeah. my move, uh, it's not since we've been on the air, uh, like since we were doing the pod, the, 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 the blog, which has been since 2009. But there was that early to mid-2000s where I, I, I know I strung up a bunch of wins just by beating you in the playoffs that year. Where like, you, you killed me in the regular season, and then I would just run through the playoffs and yeah, it was it was getting really bad there in that, that 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 run, you know, like the garbage time touchdown season, the Music City Miracle season, like all those seasons got really, like it started wearing on you in the playoffs. That was a forward pass. I still am going to say that was a forward pass. <laughs> you know, I'm Just shocked that we don't. You know, we're going to have to go through because you know, right now we have the picture of the on the the podcast that. For the, the the thumbnail is the you know Russell Wilson walking off with his head in his hands. At some point, yeah. we're gonna have to put up Music City Miracle on there. You know Frank Wycheck in the air, kind of Statue of Libertying the ball over to Kevin Dyson. We'll have to put that up on there. Why? It was a forward pass. I don't want to commemorate that. <laughs> was that was that wideout? Was that a wideout game? Uh. No, pretty, I don't. I think that's pretty pretty dang close to it. Well, I yeah. I you on the phone. You called me to gloat. Yes. I, this is. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever told that story. I know we've talked about the Music City Miracle, but you actually called me at home to gloat that you had picked uh, the Buffalo Bills and you had had Rob Johnson and you had it. Was that that was the big controversy in that game? Was that. Wade Phillips had benched Doug Flutie for Rob Johnson and you were on board and you called me to gloat that you had won that pick. And two minutes later, I called you and Doug picked up the phone and just said, that was a forward pass. It doesn't matter. That was a forward pass. (laughs) Literally picked up the phone, didn't say hello, didn't say nothing, just picked up the phone. Yeah, it was a forward Yeah, because it was in the middle of the review when you called, yeah. and I'm like, I'm just, yeah. I really was that confident that when they finally get finished with this review, they're going to overturn that because it was a forward yeah. pass. It's coming back. 
It's a forward pass. It's coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And then they called it a touchdown. You're like, hell no. That was a forward pass. <laughs> I, I refuse to believe it. Yeah. To this day. To this day. To this day. That was a forward pass. Uh, <laughs> it, it, and uh, that might have been a whiteout situation. I don't I, I don't remember. Yeah. I, I've blocked out my memories of that day. Yeah. That's, that's why I bring it up from time to time. I have to relive the former uh, glory. Oh, that oh that that was just awful to to go through. I'm glad I didn't have money on that game. I, I got some stories about games I've had money on that. Oh, but yeah. that one. If I'd had money on that shit, I would have really been. Uh, <laughs> well, it's just been a frustrating year for me because I'm I'm having a year that, by all indicators, is pretty much like our right around what our career norms would be, right? Right, hovering around 500. Yeah, hovering around 500, which has always sort of been like, that's always been like kind of the gold standard for us. And you're just, you're having, you know, you're having a hell of a season here. So, hope it doesn't all fall apart for you in the last five weeks. Uh-huh. Sure you do. I, I just oh, need I... you to throw up like a 2 and 14 <laughs> or something. I need you to throw up one of those. Just, just, just have one horrific week. I don't need to catch you all the way. I just need to not be 20 points behind you when the playoffs start. I could manage 10 or 12, but not 20, which is about where I'd be right now. Pretty damn close to it. I don't know if I'd rather have that happen and I just don't have to worry about these because where it stands right now is for all these contests that I'm so close oh, to being sure. money that all of a sudden in a few weeks, I'm about to be out of the country for a whole week. And uh, oh, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to be able to uh, either, either I got to make all my picks like ultra extra early for those, uh, for that weekend, uh, which I, and I'm going to have to do that anyway for, for our show before I leave town on, yeah. on that, on that Thursday. Um, but I'm just hoping that there's not a whole lot of like injuries and, and crazy news and silliness that comes out. Cause when I make those picks on Thursday night, they're, they're in, I can't change them Friday. Cause yeah. I'm going to be out of town at that point. So. Now what, what, what week was that going to be? Is that Christmas week? That's yeah, Christmas week. So that's week 16, I believe. So that's week 60. I, it would be better for you if it was week 17, cause there's no idea what to pick anyways. There's only going to exactly. be three games that matter, but in week 16, it's gonna still be there's still gonna be a lot of meaningful football played. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot on the line. So yeah, just I I'd, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if I'd rather have, get that two and twelve in now, two, you know, three and thirteen, yeah. and just be out of contention for all of this stuff, and then I have to worry about it, or uh, still going the way I'm going. Then I got some like stress. I got to really sweat out these picks that I got to make uh, by the time it gets down to the week sixteen. So well, I, just I don't knowing know. that, just knowing that the success of these picks could potentially be winning you money, I'm starting to like my chances. Because <laughs> God knows I can't actually make money on my on my picks. I can't make right. money gambling at all. That that just cannot happen. That's right. There's a Nafi Perez moment coming. Oh God, Nafi Perez. <sighs> You're just getting all the the pain. I, I'm body shots. I just got to start. You got to start oh. slow, right? You got to just. You got to. I got to start wearing you down a little here. Body shot. Navy Perez. Music City Miracle. Yeah, those two. I when you talk about I, pain, I go to the well. Yeah. Oh. oh Gary Gaetti. 
Oh, uh, Gary Gaetti. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I'm ready to go to bed. I'm sure. Uh, All right. I'm sure you are uh, ready as well. I got to get, uh, I got to get my, well, I only got a four day work week this week because um, I've already worked <laughs> two days this week. So I'm just doing a Thursday through uh, Sunday here. And then I'll be the man on the scene on December 9th when I'm at Lambeau for the uh, Green Bay Atlanta game. Oh, there we go. Not as interesting of a game as I thought it would be when we got the tickets. No, but still should be uh, interesting just to see where those two franchises are at that point. Because yeah, it's can Atlanta, I'm going to want to see. I want to see that Atlanta defense in person. Yeah, can they rebound and be uh, yeah. productive again before the season ends? Yeah, because the last time I saw those two teams play live, I got to see Green Bay put up one of the worst defensive efforts I've ever seen in that NFC Championship game. You know, Julio Jones just abused them. Uh, well, yeah, that that was Ladarius Gunter, um, mm. who, who who still sees Julio Jones when he closes his eyes. Well, Tremont Williams is still there now. So what's going to happen this time? Yeah, so yeah, that that's got a potential to be a, a wild game, but I just don't want it to be eight degrees. Right. That's what I don't want. So I'm taking a day off of work. I'm going to that. I'm not going to want to be sitting in, you know, 12 degree temperatures. Yeah, I I would be interested in seeing which way the Falcons are going as a franchise, and and of course which way the Packers are going because that might be really that really might be the final throws of the Death Watch at that point. Um, I don't want to make it official, but I have been sort oh. of looking and, and thinking. If Atlanta gets their pieces back defensively next year, if all these hurt guys come back next year and they're strong again, and Matty Ice makes one more run and Julio Jones is still in his prime and whatnot, I might kind of like the Falcons next year as you know oh, a long range pick. Uh, just I'm not making it official, but I, I'm kind of interested. Uh, that's, I'd be one to keep an eye on on the Falcons and see what they're uh, how, how they how they perform in the second half if they can build some momentum to carry it over to to next year if that's even a thing. Okay, very interesting. Just saying, just saying. I had them going to the Super Bowl this year, and you did. I I, I don't think that I made a horrible pick. I I could not have expected that defense to to completely fall apart. Dan Quinn was trying to mold them in the image of the, of the Seattle Seahawks. I, I, I think he was being somewhat successful. There's just no way, there's no way you could have seen it going that, that bad. Again, I pointed out that depth chart before the season began. And I'm like, where's the weakness? I don't see any weakness in any position. And then one by one by one, all those starters started getting hurt. And there's where the weaknesses uh, popped up. So I'm, I've been on record as, as how much I love that Falcons defense and what Dan Quinn is doing. Yeah. Uh, so it was not so much of a surprise that I was looking at them as, as possibly uh, coming back and doing some really big things. Again, I don't want to make it official, but I kind of got my eye on them. All right. Well, that, that's good for so we can uh, you, we can give them your Houston Texans memorial pick, especially if they go on a run here late. If they can win 
four, three or four out of these last five and somehow sneak out a, a seven or an eight win season. It'd be interesting. Someone's going to do it. Someone, someone that we're not expecting to is going to go on a run. You know it, and I know always. it. Oh, always. I, yeah, I last year was the 49ers, even do. though I called that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's sort of that was that that one for people who don't know. When I called the run by the 49ers, I was doing it as a joke. <laughs> but I was right. So it doesn't matter that I was doing it as a joke. I said it, and it happened. And no one can ever take that over from me. That's correct. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking up and down at the schedule. I don't know who I would pick to make a, a run like that this year. Yeah. Um, that that uh, of the teams that are sort of bubbling along at that, like I said, the the six and five and five and six is more of them. Yeah. I I look at them and think that they're just not going to do anything. Uh, that yeah. they're going to fall off uh, as opposed to actually make a run. So. Yeah. You got Houston already on their run with with eight straight. I don't know when that's going to end. Not this trying way. to live up, trying to live up to their own award. No, I, I already told you the team that has the easiest schedule for the the remaining uh, five games actually is the Packers. The Packers have the easiest schedule remaining. The only tough game that they have on their schedule um, is the Bears. And wouldn't they it just have... be just like the Bears to lose <laughs> to them? They already lost to Aaron Rodgers when his I knee know. was completely twisted and mangled. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Packers came into Soldier Field and beat them. No. Yeah. That's why I think that sets up an interesting matchup for that Bears-Vikings game in Week 17. I don't think the Vikings are as done as people think they are. A lot of a lot of people, you know it just as well as I do, a lot of people overreact when only the front half of the home and away has been played. That's true. And we see it all the time. So, oh, there are two games up, or they're a game and a half up. Yeah, but they still have to play each other <laughs> one more time. The Bears and the Vikings were already done with their season series. I'd be like, yeah, it's over. But just the fact that the Vikings can wipe one of those away, um, plus the fact that they're sitting on a tie, which means if they get the same record as the Bears, they win the division. It doesn't matter about anything else, the Vikings will technically have a better record by virtue of tying the Packers if they have the same number of wins. Something to watch out for. You're right. And so you're so it's sort of the White Sox uh, theory of, hey, don't count us out. We got all these games still to <laughs> we go. We still have 14 games left against the Twins. <laughs> Even that though you're we're going to lose. <laughs> no, they'd be like nine out. It wouldn't be like they'd be done, but they'd be like nine, nine and a half out, and they'd have 12 games left against the Twins, and that's all people calling up to the score would say. Like, you know the odds of you winning all 12 of those games are virtually (laughs) zero? And and they've like a chance. Yeah, and the fact that you were like one in six against them going into that, yeah. We still still have nine nine games left against the the Indians. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's all they got. That's all they can go on. That's yeah. just all the hope they have. Yeah. Well, when you're sitting in third place and you know you've got first place aspirations, that's the kind of stuff you look at. <laughs> so it's much different in football because you, you're not going to be, uh, you know, talking about we still got a game left with a team when you're four or five games behind them because that one game doesn't really do much. Yeah. So. 
I'm anticipating uh, probably needing to do a Friday this week. Oh, okay. I think the uh, wife and I maybe might be trying to get a sitter and, and go out, and we'll see. If, if it doesn't if it doesn't pan out, I'll let you know. Um, obviously, before Friday night, but let's uh, plan right now for Friday. All right. Well, thanks for bringing that up because that'll. Let, allow me to let you know that we're definitely doing Friday night next week because we got a ah. work Christmas thing on Saturday. Yeah, this is all going to start to be coming up now. Right. Yeah, and then that week that you're gone, well, I guess that's your your that's your birthday, so that's not even a week that we're going to be picking games on the twenty second because that's also the day that we have our family Christmas. Uh, with my wife's side of the family, so I wasn't going to be able to. So you're, we're going to be doing picks that week on Wednesday. Uh, so we're basically ooh. doing like a recap pick show, right? Yeah, basically. Uh, what about uh, Thursday? Are you going to be available Thursday? Uh, oh, I thought you were. I thought you meant you were leaving on Thursday. Uh, I'm confused. It's late. Uh, let me think. I I'm, think we leave on Friday. I think I'm here okay. Thursday night, and then we ah. leave Friday morning. Well, if you I leave think. on Friday, then yes, Thursday night will be okay. okay. There's also no Thursday game that week. Oh, perfect. So we'll be just so yeah. So we're actually at mo- there's a, there's a Saturday night game that week. That's the huh. that's the the kickers that we start to get to. Actually, there's two Saturday games. Looking at the schedule. NFL Network doubleheader, I believe. NFL Network doubleheader. It's going to be a special. Saturday edition of Thursday Night Football. <laughs> My wife saw the branding of that uh, th- uh, Thanksgiving. The was that NBC, the Saints Falcons. So they had the, all the Sunday Night Football imagery yeah. on Thursday uh, yeah. on Thanksgiving night, and she's like, "That's yeah, did, stupid." Did they have Carrie Underwood dressed up like a like a pilgrim <laughs> or as a turkey or something? I don't believe I saw that. I, if they did, okay. I missed it. Okay. No, she was just looking up at the at the signs on the on the screen and it's talking about Sunday night football and she's like, I know it's not Sunday. And I'm like, You're right. It's Thursday. It's a special Thursday night edition of Sunday night football. And she's just like that. That's <sighs> Yeah. We've been making fun of that for years. All about the imaging. All about the branding. As always. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what we got lined up uh, coming up in the near future. Is apparently uh, this coming Friday for picking yes. week thirteen. That's what we're a aiming special, for. A special Friday night <laughs> edition of our Saturday pick show. Well, this was yet another special Wednesday night edition of our Tuesday night recap show. So I think we've done more Wednesday nights this year <laughs> I than think Tuesdays. So. I think you're right. <laughs> Um, and, and definitely a, a Friday night edition next week for for uh, for picking week fourteen. Yeah. Um, All right. That. Well, that's good too because Saturday night would have meant that I was doing a show, and then I would you know, and I, I got to get up early and drive to Green Bay on that Sunday. Oh, yeah. So that's good that we're doing. Yeah, so that's good that we're doing Friday as well. No, oh, that worked out perfectly then. Yeah, it's just, just yeah, just just all lining up into place here. I just need to win some damn picks. Get a lock. I need to get a lock on you to start the week, put some pressure on you. Well, it's going to be uh, very compelling. Uh, we're against each other even even without the lock, but then you got the lock added on, so that makes it even more uh, interesting. So definitely be watching tomorrow night. 
All right. All right. That's, uh, that's going to do it for our recap show for week 12 for the NFL. And week 13 gets started tomorrow night with the Saints and the Cowboys. And then we'll be back. It looks like Friday, maybe Saturday. We're aiming for Friday to pick the rest of week 13 in the NFL. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been in much less detail, the podcast. Thank you all for listening to our recap show. And please join us Friday night for our week 13 picks against the spread. And we will talk to you Friday night.